0: Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast: teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of Lagrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam.
1: Welcome to Catechesis, everybody, a.k.a. Cats and Cheeses. As my co-host, the Reverend mm. Dr. Adam Roberts likes to call it. Salty cheese. We may have to do a rebrand. <laughs> uh, and I feel like I've said this before, but Cats and Cheeses, a.k.a. <clears throat> Catechesis, may be the way to do it. I think
2: if there are listeners out there who want to suggest a cat, for the week.
1: Could be a breed.
2: Like could, a, like a Maine Coon. Could be a specific cat.
1: Like Toonsis the driving cat.
2: is Goodlet.
1: From from Saturday Night Live, a.k.a. the character after whom my own cat is named.
2: Did you know, good listeners, that Reverend James owns a Toontz's?
1: I do. And then maybe a Cheese of the Week. I mean, I, I know there are some... Cheese connoisseurs out there.
2: I am cheesy, but my cheese knowledge is
1: limited. This podcast is taking on a whole new direction. <laughs> That's you- why I'm here, friends. It is good to have everybody here. Thanks for tuning in. This is a podcast of Lewis and Broad Media. If you'd like to hear some other podcasts, go to lewisandbroad.org. I know Leighton Parker, who is in studio with us, as Leighton. always. Leighton. Layton, come on, Mike, just for a second. Hey.
2: Hey.
1: <laughs> Layton, Layton spent last week <laughs> with a bunch of youths up in beautiful Montreat, North Carolina, and was it a treat?
0: It was. It was really good. I'm still catching up on sleep, but it was really good.
1: Average time you went to bed with the youths last week would be one?
0: Yeah, probably about one. 12.31. mm oh,
1: And then... We
0: did go to bed early a couple nights, because we were all really tired. But
1: you went to bed at like 3 another night.
0: The last night, so Friday night, like 2.30.
1: So Montreat, for those of you who don't know, is a Presbyterian camp and conference center up in the, nestled in the beautiful mountains outside of Asheville, North Carolina, in the western portion of the state. It's one of the most beautiful parts of our country. And they host youth conferences there every year, and our group went last week, and they are quite sleep-deprived, but it was a really good week for them. Layton, our producer and director here, is also our director of student ministries. And this week at First Pres is also Vacation Bible School, so no rest for the weary.
2: I but must it, say, listen, I was the speaker-preaching person at... Um, church on the hooch which is a ministry of first methodist and there guess who took up the offering it was one of your peoples who at least had he was visiting with his extended family maybe i don't know for sure but was it griffin it was yeah i was like can i say the name of a young person on the podcast i
0: just did so
2: (laughs) it was my buddy griffin and he had um a little tattoo thing, a temporary tattoo. They got tattoos while they were there, right? Did you hear that? They took yeah, they the got for tattoos. They took the tattoos for inking. Yes. Yeah, at Montreat. Montreat now does the inking ministry. It's one of the crafts you can do. But anyway, no, a, a temporary tattoo. And uh, asked him about it, and he said, Montreat, and just told me all about it. Good stuff. Good now,
1: stuff. Lewis and Broad uh, is working on season number four. And I know that there's news coming up about all that that entails. Layton is working at a fevered pitch on that. And we can't wait to tell you more about it. Check us out at lewisandbroad.org. Check us out on our social media at and Broad. Let's get into the business of this particular podcast, if you could call it that, business. We're looking at our scripture for the week and I will tell you what Adam
2: let me hear let me hear what James
1: this particular story from Luke chapter 8 it's verses 26 to 39 I will tell you this at least on the surface and even below the surface is one of the more jarring dare I say odd Certainly a scripture that you can close your eyes and and imagine.
2: I, I can remember one of the many, 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 excuse me, film interpretations of the life of Jesus and the Gospels that I have seen in my lifetime. This scene being so wild, which it is. And I even remember hearing probably my dad, who was my pastor growing up, preach on this once. And... As a little child saying after church, like gosh, I didn't know that was in the Bible. <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah. It's a wild one. It's a wild story. Again, Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. It is a story you have to read it to believe it. And even then, after reading it, you might struggle believing it. It's 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 pretty wild. And takes place in the middle of of Jesus's ministry and and I think it's important to know and and we've said this on our podcast we said it about Pentecost a couple weeks ago but I think it's it's important to remember that Luke acts is is really two volumes of one work and and they both have a similar vibe about them which is the expansion of the gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth and this particular scripture you're starting to see a little bit of the ends of the earth coming in it says in the very opening verse that they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes which is opposite Galilee and so it's important to to know that basically what's happening here is that when as soon as as Jesus steps out on land he is in gentile territory
2: yes they have gone straight across the lake the sea of galilee uh, and it's a different it's a different side it's a it's a whole different world over there in some ways
1: it is and i think it's also important to know that just before this scripture Jesus has was in the boat as you said in that journey and a storm came up and The disciples were panicked because of the storm. The boat was filling with water. They were in danger. They go, they wake him up, which I'm sure aggravated him. But I also have to say that if he can sleep through a storm... In a boat, truly, he is the son of God.
2: It's more fun for me to even imagine that he's pretending to sleep.
1: Well, what if he were?
2: I've always enjoyed that. I think he messes with them sometimes. And I, I, some folks have been very bothered by that when I've said that before, like, oh, gosh, that means you think Jesus was lying or, or somehow uh, fabricating uh, the truth. for th- All I know is Jesus was a storyteller. And I think he would have created some object lesson possibilities, if at all possible. And I feel like there have been some moments in my life where God was playing a little possum with me to see, uh,
1: see what I might do. So to use the parlance of the geography, he got a little salty with them. <laughs> he does get salty. And rebukes the wind and the waves, and they cease, and there's calm. And then he turns around and says to them, where's your faith? And they say to one another, who is this that he commands even the winds and the water and they obey him? So there's this whole question of who is Jesus? What is the extent of his power that even the winds and the water obey him? But in this next story, we see that his power, his dominion, is not limited to just winds and water, but to a completely... Different stratosphere of our existence, a different plane, and so he arrives in the Gerasenes, the country of the Gerasenes, and Gentile territory, and he encounters this man who had demons quite within the, him. A
2: uh, welcoming committee, that's there, right there for him,
1: and all of a sudden, all these huge. Context clues are within the story that basically say this is a ritually and literally dirty situation. This man was wearing no clothes. He didn't live in a house. He lived in the tombs, which means he lived among the dead, yeah. not it's a good way to clean. get
2: yourself ritually unclean quickly.
1: That is exactly right. And so then this man sees Jesus and falls down before him, shouts at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. Unclear if this was the voice of the man. I mean, it was his voice, but was it he who was speaking, or was it these demons? But it says that Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of him. And then it's very vivid in its description of, of what's going on. Apparently this man had been seized, which we can talk a little bit about verbs.
2: Yeah, we do, we're doing a little word, uh, little word search on this, try to get down to the—
1: Well, seized—
2: And understanding yeah. of the original.
1: We don't think necessarily of seizures. He wasn't suffering from seizures. He had been seized in that way. But the, the word there is actually the same word that is, is used at the time of when Jesus and others are seized or arrested— so, this man was arrested. He mm, was kept captive. By, yeah. He was controlled. Mm, yeah. And so violent was this demon that they kept him under guard, the man under guard, with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds.
2: That's, yeah. So, somewhere they had chained him uh, in the village or so- somewhere to try to. Keep him away from everybody and know where he is. And they can't, they literally cannot, the people cannot control him.
1: Dude is out of control.
2: This would be so frightening. It makes me think about, I mean, I think that's one thing lost on us a little bit. This is scary and it should be scary. I remember it scaring me as a child hearing about it. And I think about a friend of mine that lives in New York City and he told me once about being accosted by a person who was having a mental break in the city. And he said, I heard this guy screaming. And he said, like a good New Yorker, I did not look, because you don't look in New York City when somebody's screaming. Last thing you want to do is make eye contact, he said. And then he was like, but he got closer, and I thought, now I have to look, because it could be me. And then he looked, and he said, yeah, it was for me. He was screaming at me. And it reminds me of that that kind of moment, you know, somebody screaming out in public uh, at the top of their lungs. And then if they're naked, and they are completely unkempt, and they're dirty, and they've been living among the tombs. I mean, it, it, it is appropriate for us to have a
1: fight or flight response to this but to jesus's very nature he's he's a bit of a fighter i would say he's
2: gonna fight before flee often but does not do exactly either this time interesting
1: yeah that is true i suppose fight certainly not the the nature of of at least of me, I'm because I'm, I'm a coward, I would run away in the opposite direction. <laughs> I would but, run from that. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah, but the fact that Jesus goes right to him, as you said, the welcoming committee. <laughs> and then here comes the the big... To me, one of the linchpin verses, and if you hear something in the background, this podcast <laughs> is unofficially sponsored by Sour Patch sponsored Kids. Sponsored by
2: Sour Patch Kids. Well, you'll hear my smacking next, but yeah, great. the sugary goodness. Oh, so sweet, but I, so sour.
1: I can't wait. Please don't smack into the microphone. But here's, here's the linchpin. Mm, so sweet and so sour. Verse, verse 31. Jesus then asks him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Okay, Legion. Now, I will say there was a time when I heard this, and I thought, Legion. Okay, Legion. I guess that's just a ton of demons. I mean, it even says there right in the verse, for many demons had entered him. Ah, but there is more here. There is a sociopolitical dynamic to that answer that really shifts the whole Scripture. What what is going on there, Adam, with that response, Legion?
2: Well, without doubt, that word is going to ring all manner of bells for The original hearers of that word in that context, that it does not for us. We might think of the American Legion Hall. We know it's got a military implication to it. Uh, Sometimes I get confused, and I think about a centurion who was in charge of 100 soldiers. So my first inclination, I'm like, I guess it's 100 soldiers. No, it's not 100. We were looking earlier, 6,000 soldiers is a a legion, Um, and a legion uh, specifically for those who are living under the military occupation of a legion. That's been established and is stationed in Jerusalem uh, uh that word is gonna it's just gonna set off all kinds of uh, bells. It had a very specific meaning
1: yes Roman occupying army. Now all of a sudden, this isn't just some set of demons. this is something different, and then you have to think about this. And I, I am indebted to the commentary written. It was written in 2019 by the Reverend Judith Jones, and she brings this to our attention of of where Jesus is. He's not only in Gentile territory; he is in a region, the region of Gerasene, which was the setting of a of a a certain historical event in the late 60s Common Era, so roughly 15 to 20 years before Luke Acts was written. Something happened in Gerasene. It was toward the end of the Jewish Revolt, and the Roman general Vespasian sent soldiers to retake Gerasa. And in doing so, the Romans killed a thousand young men imprisoned their families, burned the city, and then attacked villages throughout the region. This is according to historian Josephus. So this was a a region that had a history of being oppressed, violently so, by legion.
2: Yeah, directly by legion, very literally.
1: So all of a sudden, Jesus' power isn't just over some sort of demonic possession. Jesus has power even over legion, even over the Roman occupiers and oppressors who had so violently made their presence known in the very region where Jesus set foot in this story. I would dare say that that is not coincidental.
2: It seems a bit much to be coincidental, or at the very least we can say, and this is how we have to think about biblical interpretation often, how would it have been heard by those first readers? So if you are from that region and now you are an early Christian, generation one, two, three of Christianity, and you hear this story read, and there is Jesus with the demons speaking out. We are legion, knowing where this location is and the history of that location. Uh, let's say you're hearing this read in the year 100, right? And, and you, would, you would know that context. So th- this is why we point back to the context, and we say, how can we understand the way it would have been heard in its original context so that we can have a more full and complete understanding? I think this is what Scripture does. It's the reason, one of the reasons the Gospels have stood this incredible 2,000-year test of time. We believe by faith that the Word of God is here, but also it's amazing how we can apply it to our own situations and see this as a story about overcoming that which is evil, were oppressive spiritually in our lives, or destructive to people, uh, and we can also understand it in its original context that this was a, a literal oppression by legion uh, in that time and place in, in a way that expands our understanding of the power of Jesus even more so, so and,
1: yeah. and, and then it takes us another turn. They begged them not to order them to, they begged Jesus not to order them to go into the abyss, and so there were on the hillside a large herd of swine again. Ritual impurity. Mm-hmm. They're feeding, and the demons beg Jesus to let them enter these. Now, again, that's that seems peculiar. Okay, uh, don't send us to the abyss, but send us into some swine. And so he gives them permission to do so. The demons come out of the man, enter the swine, and then they rush down a steep bank into the lake, and they're drowned. Again, all gratitude to commentary written by Reverend Juth Jones on this, but I, I just think this is so interesting that, okay, pigs. Why pigs? What's going on here? Well, one of the emblems of the legion that occupied the region. Wait for it. Was on coins and bricks and banners. What was the symbol, Adam? Wait for it.
2: A pig. 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 I did not know this until uh, prep for this uh, episode. Y'all, this is amazing. Uh, You got to go do some Googling. I highly recommend you do some Googling. So, (laughs) legio Ten, so L-E-G-I-O-X.
1: So these demons are then drowned by the very symbol of the Roman legion within within that symbol, within a pig.
2: Yeah, it's almost like, let us go to our, I don't know, our strength, our home, which again is this ritually unclean animal, and it still ends in destruction for them.
1: So, again, this... this Scripture has so many layers to it, but it's not just a simple healing. It's like a tiramisu. Multi-layered. Or a parfait.
2: (laughs) Or a um, trifle.
1: (laughs) This is ridiculous. (laughs) There's a lot of layers to it. And I think what's also very interesting here is that Jesus, he heals the man. And... Indicates his power, not only over these demons, but over legion, over oppression, over the things that occupy. And then, all the people of the surrounding country, where this had taken place, they do not ask him to stay and to do more miracles. They ask him to leave. They do. Because they were afraid. And again... Or, oh, sorry, let me be clear, sorry. For they were seized, there's that verb again. Oh, good point. With great fear. Seized, just like he had been seized by the demon. It's almost, I hadn't thought about this before, but it's almost as if that verb equates demonic possession and fear.
2: Yeah, the the evil presence is never driven completely away, is it? It's almost transferred over into the, the crowd in, in some sense. Some piece, part of that energy or presence. Now, I don't know that. That's that's reading in. But, you know, they see this man who has been absolutely transformed from the uh, scary, terrible scapegoat of that village or, you know, the the literal boogeyman has been transformed, is now in his right mind and sitting clothed and clean, perhaps, at the feet of Jesus. And it is not a celebration. It's fear. We do have fear of what we don't understand. There's no doubt about that. And sometimes fear of great power.
1: Or fear of what his ministry could mean for them.
2: It's going to mean change, for sure.
1: That's right. And they didn't want any part of it. But at least the man gets it who was, who was cleansed and he returns home fearless to declare what God had done for him. Yeah. So just a really interesting little 14 verse portion of the gospel of Luke. I would be most curious what y'all think about it.
2: I'm glad I'm not preaching on it this Sunday.
1: I'm excited <laughs> about it.
2: <laughs> it is no, it's it's um it's challenging. There are a lot of ways to think about this. Picking one way to think about it for a moment in time as a sermon is the challenge maybe. Indeed. Uh, but yeah.
1: Thank you for joining us here on Cats and Cheeses, aka Cate- Catechesis. Brought to you. Stinky
2: Stilton. The Stilton stink. See, I don't have enough cheese knowledge.
1: I I really, we need to work on our cheese knowledge. But I'll tell you what I do recommend Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids.
2: Y'all, I've been killing some Sour Patch Kids. It's like Sour Patch Kid number 30 for me at least.
1: He has spent most of this podcast with Sour Patch Kids- Tw- Tucked away in kind of like a chip. One lump. of his sheets. That's good. <laughs> There's twelve pieces has 110
2: calories. That's that's not so bad. I'd say I'm in for at least 350 calories at this
1: point. But do let us know what you think about the scripture. There's a lot to it, and hope this has been helpful and clarifying. Or maybe it's muddied the waters. Either way, thank you that's, for again.
2: That's why we're here, and that that's what theologians do.
1: Being our faithful listeners, check us out at lewisandbroad.org or on social media at Lewis and Broad. As always, this is James Goodlett. Thank you, as always, Leighton Parker and Adam Roberts for joining us. That's me. Remember who and whose you are, and we'll talk to you all next time.
0: Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbroad.org. Until next week.